Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. And I'm Jessica Tercero. And this week, we are joined by friend of the pod, famous gay, Chris Gonzalez. Welcome aboard. Uh, Choo Choo. How are you? Hello. Good. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) Please hold the tomato throwing for after the event. Yes. Okay. So I did see something on Twitter like that. You know how you can send an emoji and it fills the page? Somebody just did that with a tomato. Somebody said something bad. It's like, boo. And just sent a bunch. Anyways. Sorry. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're talking about. Don't throw the tomatoes now. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll send it in the group chat. Welcome to the show. How are you, first and foremost? What's going on? Tell us about you. What's your deal? Very good. I mean, I'm doing great, just like everybody else in the world. Um, okay. Sunshine, rainbows, all the time, forever. A must. Nothing A must. bad is happening. Nothing bad. <laughs> um, Nothing bad has happened or will happen. I can tell you I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Movies, I should say. Yes. Uh, Watch them both twice, so I'm ready. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's so much dedication. Wait, that's literally like 12 hours. Yeah, I wasted half a day. Whoa, (laughs) congrats. I mean, let's talk about it. I'm so down. Okay, so the movies in question that we're alluding to here, what if we just like drew it out and we just didn't say the names? and Let them figure it out. Yeah, you guys will have to figure. We bleep all the characters. Okay, no. So we're talking about West Side Story. We even like, okay, sorry. West Side Story, and we want to live in America. Uh, Jess, what is your history with West Side Story? Well, I think I have more history with this than the both of you. So again, listeners will know that I was the president of the Thespian Society in high school. Loved plays, loved musicals, did the whole thing. Um, I actually tried out for a production of West Side Story in high school, which is wild because it wasn't even my high school. It was like somebody made me go try out at the Catholic school because they had like open auditions. I obviously didn't get it. Um, okay, Jess is a ringer, like, everybody. Everybody, Whoa. okay. I was like, I felt like the little kid that just showed up. And one, I didn't know anybody because everybody all went to Catholic school. And I was like, I didn't. And then like, uh, so I'm already an outcast. And then I'm also the least talented because all these people like obviously have like instructors and like private lessons and stuff like that. So I'm trying to do some of these like dance moves. And I'm just like, this is not working. And I (laughs) never went back again. (laughs) I love that. Uh, embarrassing and then forever after that like people would like my mom once got me um, like a West Side Story like special edition with like a book and I was like okay I don't really like it that much like I mean the dancing scenes like the dancing is cool but like y'all it's just Romeo and Juliet we'll get into all yeah. of that but that's it's my brown history. face Romeo and Juliet <laughs> oh, yes! oh my god that's all it is okay yeah, um, 100% yeah. so and that's, that's my history I was just talking to Shelby about this it's so funny that like how many white productions of all white children have done this and put on some so really offensive affect. I mean, so like, many. <laughs> some kid from Ohio being like, <laughs> like you're like, shut up, go away, go home, go to sleep. Like, like the only character the that I was qualified to play was Graziella, and she 
maybe had two lines in the whole thing. So <laughs> it's such a weird maybe I show. Both it of is. them were just yelling riff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mambo. <laughs> that's the only thing. You just dance a lot. Um, that's my history with this. Chris, what is your history with this sweet, sweet IP? So I've never seen West Side Story before. Um, basically, the new one came out. Um, I really like Sondheim, though. Um, and so I kind of came into liking musicals very you know, not late in life, like I'm not, anyway, <laughs> like very recently. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I've liked a lot of Seinheim stuff that I've heard before. And so this was just like, I was very prepared to come into this and just be like, oh, this is really good. I really love it. But as it stands. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting. Like there, there dramatic was, pause. Yeah. There was that leading tense. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's uh it's always been on my radar. Like, you know, the popular songs, even if you don't know them, like mm-hmm. I know I'm so pretty cause I liked Mrs. Doubtfire and like, you know, all of the references after the movie came out that just incorporated into it. Mm-hmm. You want to know the craziest thing about me? I didn't, one of the craziest things about me, I didn't know. <laughs> I feel pretty was a part of this until I was watching it yesterday. <laughs> I literally thought that was a song from a completely different show. I knew the song. I know the song. Of course I know the song. But it felt British to me for some reason. So the fact that it was like in this was like, that does not make sense for some reason. But it's here and uh, I love it. Um, Well, it's fine. I don't love it. I feel like that's too too much praise. My history, <laughs> similarly, I don't have one. I saw them both for the first time. I know so little about this. I knew it was a Romeo... <laughs> I was going to say Romeo and Michelle knockoff. Um oh it's a it's a Romeo and Michelle knockoff. Um it's kind of a it's kind of a spin on Romeo and Juliet as we know. Uh Jets versus Sharks. I knew the thing as like mm-hmm. a a trope or a comedic beat and a lot of other shit. And I I get a lot of the stuff that is referenced generally, but I know next to nothing about this uh story. So this was my first uh time with it also. So there's a lot to say about a, the story, B, these movies. How do we feel about just diving in head first? I was going to Are we gonna say something to else? make Sorry. a reference to like whatever song like it would be appropriate. Like I was like, I feel pretty. No, wait, that doesn't work. Be like, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I, tonight? I sh- tonight? Tonight. We're... <laughs> Maria, you're both so much Let's... smarter than me. Let's do this. Let's go. In 1950s New York, two rival gangs, the Jets, a group of white boys, and the Sharks, a group of Puerto Rican boys, are struggling for control of the Upper West Side. One day, Riff, the Jets' leader, decides it's time to have a rumble with the Sharks to determine control of the street once and for all. Riff enlists Tony, a founding member of the Jets, to be his right hand at the War Council to challenge and discuss the terms of the rumble with the Sharks. Instead, Tony ends up falling in love, big old air quotes, with a young woman named Maria, who happens to be the sister of Bernardo, the leader of the Sharks. Eep! Bernardo's girlfriend, Anita, tries to convince him not to use Maria as an excuse to go to war with the Jets, but the two end up having an argument about their life in America instead. 
Meanwhile, Maria and Tony fall deeper in love despite their different backgrounds and decide to try to end the violence between the Jets and the Sharks. Tony ends up convincing the gangs to disallow weapons at the Rumble, which they bring anyway, then tries to stop the fight from happening altogether, which leads to Bernardo killing Riff and Tony killing Bernardo. Whoops. Tony goes to see Maria, who's bummed her brother is dead, but stoked Tony is alive, and the two plan to run away together. Devastated by Bernardo's death, Anita goes to Maria for comfort, but finds her in bed with the man that killed him. She reluctantly agrees to help them escape, but is sexually assaulted by the Jets in the process. Incalculably upset, she lies to everyone, claiming Maria is also dead, which sends Tony to seek out his own death. But wait, Maria is actually alive and holds Tony as he dies. Okay, so where do we start with this? Um, I think we should start by saying exactly what we said in the intro. There is only one Puerto Rican cast member who was Anita. So everybody else is just in Brownface. Yeah, historically <laughs> and famously, this is Brownface the musical. Yeah, Rita Moreno famously forced to also wear Brownface. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, to satisfy the white makeup artist. Yes. When, um, and she was telling uh, in the interview um, that she had like a couple of years ago, she said like, hey, actually, Puerto Rican people have like a myriad of different complexions and, and like colors to our skin. And he was like, nope. And just like slapped it on anyway. And she's like, she was so rightfully so fucking offended. Like, I cannot imagine the rage that she felt at that moment. What a messy little production. I mean, granted, first and foremost, the choreography, stunning. It is some of the best choreography. It's beyond. It's so good. It's so fantastic. Yeah. Just truly, like, exuberant is the word that I would use. Yeah. It's it's wild. Even for that, because a lot of those old musicals are a little bit, like, sleepy, with the exception of, like, some of those... um, like singing in the rain and some of those other ones where like the numbers are like really big and vivacious and tappy. Uh, this one was so interesting for what it was. Like, I feel like a lot of these moments were like almost interpretive dance numbers where like the fighting sequence is like, oh, and it's like really gay. And it's like, these boys oh, yeah. and, like I'm going to yes. kill you. And it's like, no, I'm falling. <sighs> like, you know? Yeah. I'm Very tumbling good. into your arms. Yeah. It's a fight. Help, help me. But I'm also you're held. catching me. <laughs> also you're catching me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of the dance numbers are incredible in this. Like from the very first dance number where they're just kind of like doing the snapping and like the like it's iconic right out of the gate. And then um, uh, the America dancing is also incredible. Oh, amazing. The Play It Cool, even though Play It Cool is an awful song in this context, um, the the dancing was... for that was also really cool. Okay. The Actually, dancing that's, is cool. That's, that's, really, that's no, no, no. That's, that's a, really a hot good pla- take. Th- that's a really good place to start. <laughs> Uh, the cool song. What is it called? Keep it cool. Play it cool. Something like that. Something like yeah. that. Um, what a bizarre like contextually where this sits. Where it's these people like trying. Obviously, it's like don't get caught. That's the whole deal. Play it cool. Like we weren't there. We didn't see anything. That's the deal. But <laughs> these moments where they're just like bursting with trauma and 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 just like nah fuck and it's like shut up shut up keep it just like oh this is like really bizarre it's just like we just saw our friend die yeah shut up Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. and then it's just like dancing gorge well and i think i kind of was obsessed with it <laughs> i'm obsessed with it because i think it speaks really well to the jets as characters and as yeah. just being awful problematic uh white men 
Um, because yeah. like they, when you look at all of their songs that they sing, like they're talking about how cool they are. They're making up excuses for why they're shitheads, right? They know they're awful, right? The yeah. um, Officer Krupke song, right? They're like, oh, well, look at, I'm just bad. Like, I'm not that way, officer. And it's like this whole thing talking about excuses. And it does have something to say about like how the system is fucked, right? But they are playing into that rather than trying to take themselves out of it, right? And then yeah. the whole Play It Cool song is about pushing down your emotions so that way, like, they seem in control and everything when, like, really, I mean, the friend just died, right? Their friend just died. Their other friend is now a murderer and is, like, you know, on the run. Like, they are going through some shit. And rather than process anything, and they're also, throughout the whole thing, talking about how, their upbringing isn't great and how like they you know their their parents are drunks or they have this and so they have all of these things and all of this trauma that they're not working through and instead they're just pushing it down and throwing that um that trauma onto anybody that looks at them the wrong way you know what i mean so i thought that that was really smart to have that song the way that it was and uh especially taking into context like all of the subject matter for all of their songs yeah it's it's one of those stories as a whole though that is like i mean obviously it's i get so bored and tired with the like well i just gotta fight and you're like oh, okay like really like Same. you could you could literally not fight and like you'd be fine like go home like literally just go home and you're fine and even like i know that the whole thing is like oh fuck our families our life sucks we're kind of like dead end whatever we have to fight for our streets and i get that and also sure but also, chill out. <laughs> yeah, I maybe, hate it. maybe I, I don't know. Maybe fucking don't. Like I, well, I know that. <laughs> like you know, Jesus. One, th- one thing about that, and I think that it's a little bit lost in this production, and a little bit in, less in the new one, is that these are all supposed to be like 14, 15, 16 year olds. Yeah. So you know, it, it's you see them as like fully thirty year old like actors and dancers <laughs> like mm-hmm. running around and leaping. So it's very hard to remember that in the moment. But that the naivety of like somebody who is fourteen, fifteen, making yeah. these big choices about like it's life yeah. or death, or to me or them, and I understand that in the context. But one hundred percent from the visual of these actors i was like why is this 35 year old talking about this like yeah this makes no sense well but (laughs) in the next one i think they're actually older even though which made no sense because they're at a high school dance but like maria is 18 like they make a point to say that right so like they are coming into young adulthood so like at least they look younger but they don't look 35 but i'm just like when the fuck is this supposed to be taking place? Like, boys, I don't understand. <laughs> boys are dumb is my takeaway. Boys are and guess, stupid and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Masculinity. Masculinity is a prison. And performing that. <laughs> yeah. This is and that, the musical. That, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the performative masculinity of everything. It just felt like there is that level. Okay, I guess let's talk about the performative masculinity. Um, The homoeroticism of that performative masculinity within this I thought it was super fascinating because there are these moments of like tenseness. And I know one of the throwaway comedic lines in the like, our family's bad, we're bad people. What I forget that. I feel like I need to be more well versed in the songs. But you know, when they're each like, my oh, family's yeah, yeah. this and I'm a slub, boo. And like, and that's there's the, whole the trans, deal. Um, the well, trans line that's like, oh, yeah. well, my, my dad wears a dress and this, and that's yeah. why I'm fucked up. Right. And I'm yeah. like, mm. which I thought was funny. It's just like, oh, my family's queer. Kill me. You're like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool. But. Um, I know that that's one of the only lines that kind of gets thrown in there as like queer representation apart from obviously anybody who we'll talk about later. Um, This line itself, 
is played for laughs, duh. But I feel like as a group and as a whole, there are so many of these moments where it's like, I know there's a brotherhood. I know there's this like this intensity and this like familial, like we have to stick together. But because of the way that it is portrayed, like we talked about with the dancing and the sort of um, the closeness and the softness of like this choreo, it does read more as sort of like, at least with some of these dynamics is like tense homoeroticism. Uh, in a way that I thought was really interesting because like granted if we had just leaned into that obviously it's 61 we're not leaning into that but like what if we had that would have been so fascinating and fun like because I mean that also I guess to discuss the queerness of it like anybody like he's in here like this is a part of the story this wasn't like an add-on trans allegory or trans narrative that was thrown in in the new one like his character is in the first one very clearly and eloquently. And he's like, I am not a girl. Fuck you. Let me be. And they're like, no, you're just a girl and a whatever and blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's there. They wrote a character into the story that is queer. Right. I just, I'm, I'm so interested in seeing like why more of that wasn't pursued. Obviously it's 61, but even then, like why then throw that character in there? You know what I mean? I think it's really interesting because this play or musical i should say was written and like direct not not directed but written like the book the lyrics the music and the choreography all by gay men so the inclusion of anybody's as a character i think is a really interesting choice uh whether or not it's you know supposed to be quote unquote from their perspective a trans character because i doubt they had that language back then yes but as a person who may be perceived as otherwise feminine in a masculine space and is then not even like, you know, in this experiences, you know, masculinity the same way everybody does, you know, directed at them and then reproducing it, their interpretation of it. So trying to be a jet and what does that mean? Being the most fighty, like it's, uh, him and I think there's like uh, another one that's like they're always like going at each other but anybody's is the one who's the scrappiest who is there to fight who throws out insults and like you know in the, it, it, we'll get to it in the remake one but like even throws her own people you know quote unquote own people under the bus you know yeah. Well, and yeah. they're also the they're also the one that like is actually out there gathering the information and has the intel and is the only one that's actually doing anything to like support like the the gang and which is just so fucked up because I feel like in every scene we just see anybody's be shat on by everybody just reminding them like hey you're not a dude like you're not like just trying to like tear them down at any point and it's like when you see the look of like the only time i think we see anybody's happy is when tony calls them buddy boy right because they're recognized as male and as a part of as a part of the jets in that moment right by the founding member which i think like that was oh go ahead I know. I mean, I get, I love the gender affirmation. I love that it's meaningful. And I love that, like, it's like a, a moment of recognition and of, of affirmation. Like, I'm super into that. But it really comes at, like, the most kind of nasty, pivotal time where it's like, mm-hmm. anybody's has really literally almost just died so many times in the shadows secretly trying to gain this information. And is the only reason half of you aren't dead? Like, they're literally the only reason, like, that this is happening. And, 
only in this moment are you going to be like, I see you as the person you are. Wink. And you're like, ew, go away. Like, it's just like the, it's like the nastiest little moment. And I know it's supposed to be played for like, you're one of us. Like, you're a jet all the way. And it's like, yeah, I am. But like, it just, it, 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 because of the placement of it, it feels so just like, ew. And it's one of my big problems with like the next one too, which we'll get into. But like, I feel like they double and triple down on that sort of shit. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel very similarly. Um, so one one thing I took note of that was really interesting is that anybody's response is you got a daddy-o. So, I mean, obviously this like patriarchal like figure yeah. in anybody's mm-hmm. life, like clearly I got daddy's approval. Like it's the text of the film. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's literally text. And you know, it's, it's, it's I think the theme um, that I, a lot of this movie kind of, dances around which is like funny ha dances but um (laughs) the proximity to power does not equal power anybody's is not going to be you know seen as a jet after tony dies that moment with tony only meant that moment with tony yeah in the eyes of the wider world anybody's is still a low-income youth non-gender conforming uh you know assigned female at birth all of these things are still true. And even though they had a small glimpse of what it could be like to be within that circle of power, to be a fully cis white guy in a cis white world, like it does not mean that they are actually that. They do not actually right. have any power in the world. Yeah. I, I like that as a general conversation too, which they kind of, I feel like dip into a little bit harder in the sequel or not the sequel, but the next one, just the, the, again, it's the proximity to power does not equal power where even what, what is the cop's name? Krupke. When he like initially breaks up, I forget if this is in the original, like if this was text of the, the, the first one, but where he kind of talks about like you, yes, you look like this, but you stayed here. Your parents are shit and you, you got left here. Just because you look like those in power doesn't mean that you will have that because you are the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, you're not them. You're not brown. But you still suck and you're still seen as trash and you're never going to amount to anything no matter how close you want to get, no matter how powerful you think you are. You're never going to be me. You're never going to be anybody but the slum kids, essentially. And And that was in the second one. And that's one of the things that I did like about the second one was some of the context that we got. And I feel like there was a clearer message about like, hey, the sharks are bad. Hey, it was clearer um, and had more intent. Whereas this one, it just kind of like feels like it's it's putting this thing out there and not doing anything with it. Yeah. So um, because in this one, I mean, in both of them, uh, the cops are racist assholes. Even though in the next one, Krupke like really hates the fucking jets, at least they're white, right? So uh, yeah. there's a lot of times where um, where he baits the jets to say like, hey, which uh, shark beat you up? Like, hey, you point him out. Hey, and then like once uh, the sharks leave, he's like, in both of them, he's like, hey, I'm just trying to help you. Like, you can clean up the streets. Like, I could help you you could clean up the streets for me come on let's do this like let's get them out of here right and i think that like here in this uh the first film it was just kind of a conversation um that was like being thrown out there without really like any sort of like criticism or any sort of 
as much weight that should be given to that, right? Yeah. Um, and in the next one, um, I think it, it does have more weight. And we'll get into that later. Yeah. But um, there's it a lot of like, things in this one yeah. that they just put out there. Like anybody's, like the cops, like, wait, Tony is a, a founding member? Like, I didn't believe that for a fucking second, you know? Like, there's all of these things that they're talking about, but they're throwing out these ideas without any sort of consideration or without trying to say anything well, not it's to like, like world yeah not not to demean like the the skill because i know that these are very talented people generally cr- creating this story but it does seem kind of accidental sometimes yeah or like yes. we've sort of stumbled into an accidental theme about class <laughs> we've yes. accidentally stumbled yes. into a theme about power structure and dynamics of racism in late 50s early 60s america like we've accidentally done this because we're just trying to do romeo and juliet on the west side <laughs> like Correct. that's kind of all we're trying to do but it accidentally does that because they last minute changed it from irish catholics and jews to Irish and Puerto Rican and suddenly there's now this clash of uh, uh, racial dynamics in play and it, it feels it feels unintentional sometimes <laughs> I totally agree the ethnic differences and the choices to you know portray you know different ethnicities and nationalities feels like and I mean like you pointed out famously almost literally is just purely an aesthetic choice they just literally they, it, isn't the, that fucking wild it's Isn't literally, that crazy? Yeah, Jess, like, did you know about this? Yes. Isn't that nuts? Like, I just, it blows my mind that it was just like this whole written play and it was going to be this whole other thing called East Side Story. And then suddenly oh, they saw it. Okay, no, maybe I didn't know about this. Um, oh, so, please so when, enlighten my, me and our listeners. So when they wrote it initially, it was going to take place in the Lower East Side and it was going to be a. Rome, it was Shakespeare inspired Romeo and Juliet, but it was going to be between an Irish Catholic family and a Jewish family. And it was going to take place on the East side during Passover. And that was going to be the whole thing. It was like this whole Easter conversation, blah, blah, blah. But it was too close to this other play, apparently called Abby's Irish Rose or Abby's Irish Rose that had come out recently. So okay. they shelved it and was just sitting kind of away for several years until one of them saw a newspaper clipping of a fight um, that took place in San Bernardino in California um, about these Shout teenagers. Out. Yeah, the, it was like Mexican teenagers who got into a fight outside of a um, community hall during like a teen dance. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them died. And suddenly that sparked and they're like, what if the other family was Puerto Rican? <laughs> and literally, that's, so... that's they, then they just changed it. And then also famously, Sondheim went asked, what was the quote? I need to find the quote. This is from a Los Angeles Times article. Where Stephen Sondheim, then a rookie lyricist, was hesitant to sign on for the project because, quote, I've never been that poor and I've never known a Puerto Rican. <laughs> but his agent told him not to think in those terms. They're star-crossed lovers. They are underprivileged. And the haves and have-nots um, have more to do with, the, uh, with their psyches than their uh, economics. See, and this so, is a prime example of like so when when writers or when you know like uh, the the powers that be that decide that a TV show is going to be made decide that oh well here what we're gonna do is we're just gonna make the the lead a woman or we're just gonna make the lead black yeah. and everything is fine without like understanding how that would change the story right and um and that doesn't fucking work (laughs) that doesn't ever fucking work also some of the only research that they did to try to make it big air quotes authentic was go into the communities of puerto ricans at the time and watch their dancing and then incorporate some of those moves into the choreo and that's like 
it? <laughs> which is... I looked out is, my window and I just stared for a little bit. <laughs> I, it's, isn't it, it's just so... It truly is just like the most bizarre. Like, <laughs> Puerto Rican culture in this movie is truly set dressing. Like, yeah. that's literally all it is. They did no no work. Even to the point where Sondheim, he's like a new... This is his first big thing apart from like Saturday Night and some college stuff. This is his first thing. And he's even like, hey, I don't know if I should do this. Like, I, I've never been that poor. I don't know Puerto Rican people. They're like, Queen, just go. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's so funny. And I feel like it reads on the screen so evidently because of that. Like, yeah. again, like I was saying, those accidental moments. Like, I feel like, yeah, like that does feel like an accident because, again, it does not feel intentional. <laughs> yeah. And something about the dynamic between the sharks and the jets that I noticed in this version versus the newer one is that in the newer one, they go out of the way to make it explicitly ethnic or racially motivated. A lot of the yes. tension between them. In this one, it is very much more like clearly this is, well, this is just about the gang. This is just about the street taking over. Even during their conversation with uh, Officer Krupke and the detective whose name I keep forgetting. They ask him, like, oh, like, you know, like you mentioned, who who did this to you? And it's the Jets who redirect the question back to him. It's like, oh, I think it was a cop. A cop did it, actually. You know, like, yeah. again, covering for them only because it's like, this is our conflict, not the cop's conflict. Yeah. And, like, this isn't a necessarily a racial thing. This is just about whose turf this is. And yeah. this needs to be settled by us. And so that kind of speaks to that, again, just superficiality. None of the power dynamics in play here, they're mentioned briefly in both versions, um, but none of the power dynamics on a larger scale, Puerto Rico being a colony of the United States, the, you know, just the empire of the United States being a thing at all, just yeah. is completely absent. Just most people just didn't even know Puerto Rico had just become a commonwealth <laughs> of the United States, let alone, you know, why everybody was coming in from there like why why did the population of puerto ricans triple in new york over the course of like four or five years those white kids had no fucking clue and yeah. neither did the playwrights <laughs> <laughs> these ignorant gays in the six in the late 50s just being like i don't know just do it like, it's, who cares <laughs> this is 1960s version of pink tank top gay yes explaining the ukraine oh. <laughs> conflict <laughs> Chris, this is that. <laughs> stop. Oh my god. You're so right. That's what this musical largely is. Yeah, um, it's a lot of it's a lot of very white, very insulated people making a story that is not theirs to tell. Yes. They know that not even not even just their story to tell, but they literally know nothing about. Truly know nothing about. Well, like, I think that's why there's like nothing about the the puerto ricans that like i mean i don't have a lot written down for them because you know they were just kind of there i mean i have the most about anita right like oh, but for yeah. the most part like bernardo and the other like shark men they just want to control their women and they want to fight like that's all they want to do and that's all all that they are you know um and they're like in that whole like America song, like the only thing that like they're really saying in that song is like, which one is a valid point. One is like, okay, cool. It is more expensive here and we don't have white skin. So things are not great for us here. It's only cool if you're white, which like, yes, absolutely. But then they're like, well, I mean, back home, women knew their place. Right. And that's something that they doubled down on in the second one, yeah. which like, 
trying to make that even more clear where they're talking about like Bernardo wants 84 children and Anita tells him to fucking marry a cat because she's not going to do that because she's an American woman now, you know? So like that's basically the sharks in a nutshell is like we want to control our women and we want violence. Yeah. Is kind of how it feels. It's they're not real. Like they're not real people. And obviously like it's it's only that, but it's just like none of it felt actualized. Um, I mean, structurally, plot-wise, I have the same issues that I had with, like, when we talked about Romeo and Juliet, the whole, I know they're kids, but, like, how infatuation will just, like, drive you to risking your life and the lives of all your loved ones. Like, I, I understand when you're young and those feelings absolutely destroy your brain and you're just, like, an absolute idiot baby who's horny and you're like, okay, cool. But (laughs) I just similarly in the way that I'm like, just don't fight and everything will be fine. Again, they're kids. I need to remember that. I do also just struggle with like the, he sees her and he's like, I'm willing to die now. And you're like, shut up. Go to like, he's like singing. He doesn't, they're like, Oh no, we're going to get in trouble. He's like, not for me because I'm Tony and Maria. I love her. And we won't let me talk to them about peace. I'm Bono. And you're like, shut up. Like go like it just, all of those moments just, again it's part of the story but like ugh. he's just so convinced that everybody will like him and love him and that he is for everybody um and it's so funny because like in this one uh he's like he's saying that and marie's like no 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 okay yeah right and it's just kind of implied that yeah that's fine and that's how that works actually we've cured racism right yeah and, yeah. and like, the oh, next you go one, to church that's it. <laughs> oh my god, perfect. You've got it, right? And in the next one, like they say it like and and there's one moment where Maria's like, "No, that's actually not how that works." And she kind of like checks him. But other than that, she's like, "Yeah, no, it's fine. It's great." Like and going back to your point Eric about like these characters not feeling realized, I 100% agree. Like when Maria finds out her brother is dead and killed, by Tony, the person that she's supposed to love the most, she doesn't even give a shit about Bernard, right? And like, who's like her only family here other than Anita. And the only character, to me at least, that felt realized was Anita. I feel like well, Anita is such a strong, like a strong woman and a strong character. And one, I think that she really carries the entire movie. 100%. She she is the only character that is, feels like that. And truly, to, to even to the effect of like, after that scene directly, her her song first line he killed your brother <laughs> like hey yeah queen what the fuck are you doing like why is he here he killed your brother you idiot <laughs> so there's on one her correction face. i want to make actually oh okay bernardo is not his her only family she has a mother and father father oh, that's that right there. in this one yeah they're both oh that's right. yeah 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 it's the absenteeism of the parents that's kind of like, one, I think a partially a thing about, you know, teen movies in the mid 20th century, mm-hmm. adolescence going wild, like, you know, that genre of film was such a real thing back then. So that makes that sense contextually. But also, I think kind of more, I, I guess, a more not sinister, but like, you know, um, it speaks a little bit more to just kind of the ignorance again, is just that they fully have parents who are there living in the same house as maria and bernardo but they're just not around and that's not explained so you have to just the audience that it was made for is then just left to assume whatever they're going to assume which for 1960s white america is fill in the blank for whatever racial stereotype you have (laughs) 
literally <laughs> which is just silly i mean granted part of me was just like oh yeah it's like the peanuts thing where it's like well they're there but not really like we don't really mm-hmm. see them they're not real they exist but like this isn't about them but especially for the way that this is written with some of these other like even the sharks the way that they sing about puerto rico some of it's i'm like well a white person wrote that that's like that's like really like really hurricanes was one of the big things right like and i was like okay like what what else do you know about puerto rico because they don't talk about anything culturally right like in that song specifically like the women are like hey look we're in america we have all of these possibilities we can maybe own this we have a washer and dryer oh my god like their narrative was like we're in civilization now and the Puerto Rican men were just like, oh, but like everything's expensive here, um, racism and stuff, which like they're super, super right. And like the Puerto Rican women are like full of hope. Right. But I can it felt like that hope was, again, written by a white person that's like, oh, look, we're so civilized here. We have washers and dryers like their hopes are all about like being able to do their laundry and having a home, not about like having a career or doing anything like other than like homemaking. And I mean, isn't there a line in the song too about like, it's an island of tropic diseases or something yes. like what you're just like, well, I, like, I don't think that that it, it just feels so inauthentic. It feels like, Oh, it feels okay. It's like the whole, um, the Western gaze of Eastern conglomeration and sort of like the erasure of Asian identity. What is that called? Uh, orientalism. Yes, orientalism. Uh, of Said, it's, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's it's just like that where it's just like, oh, yeah, what do, I don't know, like, it's tropic. Like, there's probably pineapples, sure. Diseases are probably on that right. island. Yeah, say that. And it's like, it, again, it's like a completely ignorant perspective that's based. What ro- rhymes rooted with completely. this? Yeah, exactly. Pineapples, great. Yeah, and like... I mean, specifically those <laughs> lyrics were so offensive to Puerto Ricans <laughs> that they had to change it for the movie. It was actually worse than the original stage production. Really? I forget what it said, what the original was, but yeah. Um, so they changed it to, oh, Puerto Rico, um, my heart's devotion, let it sink back into the ocean. That was their compromise or their change oh. to make it better. So it's like coming off the backs of being a, col- being a colony for two different empires and then being annexed and given a false citizenship by the Americas so that way they can more closely control the capital of the island. That's that's what Hot she tip. says. Like It's like, oh yeah, my poor little island that's been oppressed the entire time. Actually, we're the problem. It's not It's not America. We're the problem here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so it's so It's so messy. It's so, and I mean, granted, what do we expect from like literally Brown Face the Musical? But also it's just like, you were talking about how this there's this performance of hope in like this America and sort of the facade of the American dream, especially as it's coupled with the way that women are presented. Like, well, here women are free. It's like, well, that's not true. Misogyny is everywhere. It's rampant worldwide. I mean, here specifically, it might even be arguably worse under a patriarchal system. Like misogyny that is going to exist everywhere. And this sort of performance of like, well, it doesn't exist here. Women can do whatever they want. As it is also juxtaposed with that scene that we get later with Anita when she goes to the shop and is like assaulted by these men where it's like this moment I was of so mad. I know it's, it's, it's wild. And it also makes no sense. Like what? Um, especially in this first one where there's no commentary on it, it just happens. And then she leaves and then you're like, okay, <laughs> like they're grieving what? the death of their friend. And this Puerto Rican woman walks in who they just killed her boyfriend. Right. Yes. Her, 
And their first reaction is to make her feel so small by like intimidating her and then fucking sexually assaulting her. Literally fucking all of them. Fuck yeah. that. Well, that's and, and that that like exactly that juxtaposition of like the freedom in America versus like, no, no matter what, like women are not going to have that autonomy, especially now, especially here, mm-hmm. no matter what hope is present. But secondarily, like, I don't think that that's an intentional thing. Like, I feel like Mm-mm. that scene just happens as a way to like make an ugly thing more ugly without much like payoff. And then it's just like it happens to be a conversation about misogyny and autonomy of women in this space. But like, again, an unearned theme. <laughs> well, I would argue. I feel. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I would down. argue that the, the, while I agree, it is a very unintentioned theme about, you know, misogyny that women experience and how no matter where you are, you're not going to be free of it, basically. There is an intentional theme of kind of moralism, a very rote 1950s like moralism. Because if you compare like the sexualities of the women that we see, we see um, basically two women being explicitly sexual. You see Maria and Anita. Maria is in all senses but literal (laughs) married to Tony when she has sex with him and she is left otherwise unpunished. Anita has unmarried sex with Bernardo and it's a very clear thing that she's very excited for she's like I'm getting ready for me I'm wearing I'm gonna wear my black orchid I'm gonna have a bath I'm gonna make myself feel good and I'm gonna get have dinner with my boyfriend after he's all riled up after a fight and then we're gonna fuck and it's gonna be great I'm looking forward to tonight tonight and I'm yes. like yes and I was here for yeah. that I was like yes bitch and then what happens to the one woman who expresses any kind of sexuality she is you know then intimidated and sexually harassed mm-hmm. which is you know otherwise exactly what you'd see in any kind of moralist panic 1950s film about teens you go and you have sex oh you're gonna get raped you go yeah. and you hang out and you're going to have drugs. You're going to go crazy. You're going to get killed. Like, that's what they talk about. Yeah, which yeah, is that early horror trope right. as well, right? Like, the the yeah. idea of the teens having sex, they need to be killed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, this, you know, obviously this kind of, like, weird obsession with virginity that's just been around forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I hadn't connected those two, but yeah, that's 100% it. Like, that is the night. She's singing Tonight Tonight. That is the night, and that's what she yeah. gets. That's yeah, what she gets and, for wanting to have sex. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and presumably having had it before. I mean, they don't seem right. to like be, you know. Oh, she's fucked. She's yeah, somebody yeah. who's fucked. She fucks a oh, lot. Yeah. She fucks a lot. She fucks well. She's good. She's cool. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. she is such, like, uh, yeah. Nobody who her. dances that good can't be good at sex. It's true. I also do think that part of the reason why that scene happened where Anita was, like, sexually assaulted was because that first of all fuck maria for asking her to go there and do that fuck maria so hard like anita is absolutely is nothing but loving and caring and like the mother sister figure that like she is fucking there and she pushes up against bernardo and goes to bat for her every time she's like don't use your fucking sister as an excuse to start world war three and also don't fucking control her she is a mom and a dad you're not here for that we're in america she can have fun let her let her get hers right and he's still just being an asshole but like she goes to bat and she does this right and then the look on anita's face when she sees tony in that room was 
fucking incredible. And then even after that and having this argument and knowing that your boyfriend just killed her boyfriend, I can't imagine uh, if my boyfriend killed any of your boyfriends. Like, I would not. <laughs> I would not. First of all, if my, if my boyfriend killed not. your boyfriend, it would not be it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's so it's so true. Like, I mean, granted, murder in general. I think if, I'd be like, why if is this guy here? Anybody in general, I would be like, okay, look, the, I don't want yeah, anybody to be an way. accessory. Holy yeah. shit! Get it out of the way. I don't approve of murder. I'm just gonna I, say it. Yeah, proud, then, let's let's all be brave. Let's all be brave pod, today on the pod bravery have, hour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but like seriously, like fuck her for doing that. And then she goes there. She gets sexually assaulted, and it's inadvertently. Anita's fault like the way that it's written it's Anita's fault that Tony dies right because then the cascading domino effect (laughs) yes yeah right so it's like oh well she shouldn't have said that she was dead like no she shouldn't have been sexually assaulted also her boyfriend shouldn't have been killed like there's so many things but like it really comes down to her being and I think it also comes full circle for her as a character where this whole time she's talking about hope living in America and that she sees like this dream and she has, you know, this idea of what life is going to be like there. And literally America takes fucking everything from her. Right. And in that moment, she's like, no, fuck this. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. everybody. I'm out. She's and- big Ginsburg energy. <laughs> <laughs> she said Ginsburg. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but it's it's. <laughs> White gays coming back around. Literally, white gays come back. Come, come on. Yeah. Sondheim would be proud. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, but no, he died. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's so, it is so true. Like, I don't know. I just, that whole scene. I love that scene. I love Anita. Why the fuck is he there? I truly, like, I know that they're kids and that's, this is truly something I will not get over. The fact that he gets there and she's not immediately like, leave my house. I know she does Absolutely. the whole performance of like, murderer, murderer, murderer. You killed him. I'm sad. But then instantly it's sort of like, wait, now that's over. What are you doing? Like, should I show you my belly? Like, what do you, what do we, and you're just like, what, is, mm-hmm. what, what changed? Like, this is so bizarre. Like, I don't. It's, it's very interesting. Cause I mean, if we look at like Romeo and Juliet, um, Tybalt is her cousin or something, right? Yeah. Like still real tore up about it. I mean, understandably. Yeah. But a, a cousin and a brother are, are an order of magnitude different, really. Correct. Especially with this, like, you know, if we look back at like the original context, like huge families, all like all extended family living all kind of in the same kind of compound. Like it's it's very different than like and I live with him. He's next door and he's the only family besides my parents. And it also seems very weird that like that kind of like literally your brother your whole life suddenly you meet this one boy who you think is hot two days ago and that infatuation is so powerful that it like kind of just diminishes the idea that like oh no he murdered my brother but i'm still ready to fuck also something that's interesting that um didn't quite register with me until i watched it again was in the new version which we'll get to um Maria is the one who settled and been in America before Bernardo. And in this version, it's the opposite. Bernardo's been here. Maria's just arrived, I don't know exactly how long ago, but relatively recently. Because he's introducing her to all of the friends at the dance. Like, right. oh, this is my sister Maria, Maria, etc. They're really selling her naivete. And obviously, like, that all kind of that all kind of warps together to create this image of femininity, like the white dress, like, oh, I'll be a little baby, mm-hmm. and only babies wear white, and she's also, like, a bride, she waits until marriage. 
all of that stuff kind of creates this image of femininity that like, you know. And the submission too. Yeah, and submissiveness. And it's just generally just is a very tight encapsulation of like what. Yeah. Not heroic or, you know, a heroine like, but like a, what a good girl would be, yeah. I guess, back then. She's small, she's mousy, she's soft-spoken. She's forgiving. She, she's she so kno- forgiving. She's very, yeah. um, she's very pleasant. She's well-mannered. Like, all of these things that as women were told to be, right? And again, above all, submissive, right? She asks Anita to lower the neck of her dress. She could probably do it herself, right? But does she do it? No, she asks permission. No, that doesn't work. She asks Bernardo permission for all of the things and she doesn't get it. Okay. She, and then as soon as she like finds like a dude, like she's like, great, you, awesome. Um, what are we doing? When are we going to meet? Where are we going to go? Yes, great. Let's go. Let's escape, right? And in that scene that we were just talking about where Anita comes in, Tony bounces, there's this whole song that the two of them are at odds. And then at the at the end, they both come together and they say, when love comes so strong, there's no right or wrong, which is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> right. But Wait, again, as a, as a way, woman, Jess. this is Jess, the shit. Did you describe yourself as a romantic? <laughs> this, excuse me. This is the shit that we're told. Like, oh, it's fine. Like, as long as you love him and he loves you. Like, there's this this portrait of love that young girls are like, subjected to (laughs) that like is really damaging and that's why like I mean at least personally I stayed in an abusive relationship for a really long time because I was like okay well he loves me and uh or you know and love is like it's that's what's said right but that's not what's actually shown right and so it's like well you can't help who you love it's like this whole thing that a lot of people still fall back on right and it's so fucked up because you absolutely do have a choice you can leave this is bad for you there is a right and wrong like that is that line over everything else was just like this is such a bad example for literally everybody but plays into what you were saying chris about like 1950s 1960s like ideals like expectations of women and what they're supposed to do right and how they're supposed to exist (laughs) like so i mean they're they're talking about In this whole thing, they're talking about like, oh, we want to be free. We want to be free. But literally, they're both subjected to the whims of of the men in their lives. Um, This just goes into my whole sermon about like, let people be more sluts. Like, let us be sluttier. Because truly, and I yeah. mean this in like the most earnest way possible, that young feeling of like, I'm in love. No, you're just horny. Like, you're infatuated. You want to have sex. Like, that's what's going on. And sometimes that can develop and manifest, but you're so young and you're going to grow and you're going to grow apart. And that's probably just what's going to happen. And sometimes early on in these relationships, sometimes just a good sex. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, my eyes are clear now. You're a bad person. I'm out. Post like, not clarity. Let's, you know what I mean? Post not clarity. 100%. Post not clarity. Let people be sluts. End of sentence. Like, I feel like that would solve so many problems because then it's so much easier to distinguish between love and infatuation and uh, the obsession of horniness and the obsession of like early excitement and the infatuative period. Like it really just alleviates all of the pressure of that when it comes to like, well, we have to be together to have sex and we have to be in love. And it's like, shut up. Go fuck. Jesus. It's so easy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. Um, Yeah, I think we should talk about the next one. Yes, you should. Okay. Cue music.
In 1950s New York, two rival gangs, the Jets, a group of white boys, and the Sharks, a group of Puerto Rican boys, are struggling for control of the Upper West Side. One day, Riff, the Jets' leader, decides it's time to have a rumble with the Sharks to determine control of the streets once and for all. Riff enlists Tony, both a founding and ex-member of the Jets, to be his right hand at the War Council to challenge and discuss terms of the rumble with the Sharks. Instead, Tony ends up falling in love, big air quotes, with a young woman named Maria, who happens to be the sister of Bernardo, the leader of the Sharks. Eep! Bernardo and his girlfriend Anita have an argument about their life in America. Meanwhile, Maria and Tony fall deeper in, big air quotes, love, despite their different backgrounds and decide to try to end the violence between the Jets and the Sharks. Tony ends up convincing the gangs to disallow weapons at the Rumble, which they bring anyway, then tries to stop the fight from happening altogether, which leads to Bernardo killing Riff and then Tony killing Bernardo. Whoops! Anyways, Tony goes to Maria, who's bummed her brother is dead, but also super stoked that Tony is alive, and the two plan to run away together. Devastated by Bernardo's death, Anita goes to Maria for comfort, but finds her in bed with the man that killed him. Whoa. She reluctantly agrees to help them escape, but is sexually assaulted by the Jets in the process. Incalculably upset, she lies to everyone, claiming Maria is dead, which sends Tony to seek his own death. But wait, Maria's actually alive and holds Tony as he dies? Wow. The end. Wow, the end. Okay, so Those just my words. <laughs> wow, the end. Um, so kind of picking up where we left off again, very similar stories. There are some subtle differences that, to me, at least, make this a much better version of a bad story. One, I mean, it's not really a huge point, but I thought it was really funny. Initially, one of the first things we see is like them like coming together and doing their dance, blue, blue, blue. But they do kick over the men working sign, which is sort of funny because it does feel a little bit like, like, okay, what's the opposite of men working? Boys not working. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it feels like a funny, like, <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know. It's obviously mean only, something, but. Not only are they not working, but they're not working on themselves. Yeah. They're like, fuck growth. Yeah. And they kick <laughs> it right over. And that's one of the first things we say. And I'm like, oh, good. Okay. The Jets are stupid and bad and toxic and shitty. They're they're boys. They're little bad people. And, you know, it, one of the biggest differences right off the bat is right here in the beginning where, as in the first one or the original, I should say, the Jets and the Sharks, their turf war is explicitly just about their turf and just about being a shark or being a Jet. Whereas in this one, they go out of their way to be like, this is ethnic, racially charged violence. Like, we're Mm -hmm. going to deface the Puerto Rican flag and, like, a slogan about Puerto Rican independence. Like, yeah. Insane. It's like them, it's them walking by, it's the cat calling, it's the sign they pull down, and it's yeah. like it reveals the Irish bar sign. It's very clear that they're distinguishing this as more of a conversation about race. Um, and that the Jets are fucking assholes. There's no like, well, oh, they're just boys, but like, which, like, I don't. Oh, but they do that too. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Like, but in the, in the beginning, at least they're trying to set up context for rather than just like, oh, they're a bunch of cute boys that are just kind of like hanging around, right? Like, there's like this distinct difference that for some reason my brain picked up on where in the first one, there's the child that's like, you know, uh, drawing with chalk and they, walk around her and in this one they walk through it right they like fucking stopped her <laughs> and like yeah so it's like they were trying to set them up to be that way but you're right like they like through the movie it's just kind of like forgotten about a little bit well, 
this is this is kind of one of the things that I like though kind of touching on that a little bit is there is a delineation or a very stark difference between not just like two groups it's very clear that like the sharks have to do it to survive to some degree and the jets are just stupid racists like mm-hmm. just from the perspective of like the jets the entire time are consistently just like when you're a jet you're a jet all the way like that resonates in such a, an ignorant like silly like oh we're children way whereas with the sharks especially with like with bernardo the moment when yeah. Chino like we first see him we didn't really talk about him much but he has a much more like defined existence in this one when he initially shows up he keeps talking to him about like i let me be a shark i want to be a shark let me do it and his response is essentially like no it's stupid you don't want to be a shark it's stupid i have to do it but i know that it's stupid and you shouldn't do it because you're smart please don't do this like mm-hmm. which i appreciate that there's a delineation between a recognition that like this childish sort of violence like i have to do it for our livelihood to keep us safe from these racist assholes like i get it and it sucks you're good you're gonna do great things you're smart please go be smart and like get out of here because you don't have to play the game i unfortunately have to play the game so that's why you're not going to do it end of story and i like that like it's not huge but it's a huge moment in context land just to like kind of give more of a humane perspective or like it gives more of a humanity to the sharks in a way that they didn't have in the first one because it is very clear that like they have to do it to survive. I just like that line. I thought it was great. It was a nice little addition. Yeah. I totally agree. I, agree. I also really liked um Chino's character much better in this one. Um I liked yeah. um the things that I liked about this movie was the context and the playing of context or like the the insertion of context. Like especially for the characters. I liked that Tony what had went to jail because he beat the shit out of somebody and almost killed them, right? Yeah. I, I believed more so that he was a founding member, right? And was trying to get out of that. I loved the recontextualization of Doc. I loved that um, Rita was in this. I think that she still shined and I thought that that was cool. I also really liked uh, the reordering of the songs and the recontextualization of them. So like the stay cool was before the fight, right? Where, um, which I think that was a better place for it to be because it was instead of the jets talking about like having to like suppress their emotions, uh, they're trying, like Tony's trying to say like, Hey, no, 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 let's, let's calm down. Maybe think about this. You don't want this. I liked that. And there was like, I, uh, doc sang one of the songs, like there's a place for us, which I think was also really great. So I think some of those changes were really great. However, (laughs) I feel pretty. The fact that they put that literally at the fucking end when that's in fact like that's after night one. Like I met this boy and I'm elated. No, now it's like right before I find out that my brother's dead, I feel pretty. And I mean, I I liked it more in this placement because it does feel a little bit more sinister. Like, wow, it's been like a week and like my life is changing. And like I've really kind of been in this place for a little bit and there's hope now and I can feel it and we've seen it. And then suddenly it's like, no, your brother's dead and your boyfriend did it. Like, oh no. Wait, hold on. <laughs> JK, la 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 Something that did fall flat, I think, was the, they were trying to have when Maria meets Tony, they tried to like insert a little thing of like consent, like try to be like, oh, is this okay? Is it okay that I'm not Puerto Rican and I'm that, that I'm hanging out with you, right? Like they tried to have like oh be, yeah yeah it's okay it's fine like you know so they're they're kind of navigating that and then maria like throws herself onto him but like in that conversation knowing that 
actor that plays Tony and the accusations and just his behavior that was happening, like, you know, that has recently come to light. I was like, wow, this is really fucking awful. You guys know about that, right? Wait, what? No. What's happening? Is there Ansel Elgort uh, drama? Yeah. You're Googling. Going to the yeah, Google machine. Sorry. Okay. So um, for him to Vulture, be- Vulture did an article where it's the timeline of his sexual allegations. The timeline. Yes. And we will link <gasps> that in the show notes. Because that happened simultaneously while this movie was coming out, like, or at least the accusations were coming to light. So they didn't even address it. Of course, they just swept it under the rug and tried to pretend that it didn't happen. But he was like trying to solicit sexy pictures from underage girls, trying to meet up with them, and just being an overall creep. Sex pest. Sex pest. Okay. I don't know the history, but this seems really gross. So part of, okay, so part of his legal defense in these allegations was they weren't underage because the age of consent in New York is 17. Yes. And the other one, it was like, in another state, it was like 16 or something. I and think. I don't mean to be like, mm, but that seems like it got changed because men are fucking gross. Mm-hmm. That seems like a law that was like changed for like because it's happened so many times. Like, no, she was 17. She was so close. It's like, what if we change the, you know, like that feels I did not know that about New York. And that seems nasty. It's more pretty, like Ansel um, L. Gross. Yeah. So God. when they're having this conversation oh, about fuck. about consent and all this, I'm like, mm, mm, you yeah. know, and it's it's even it's not even a big conversation about it. It's like a footnote. But I was like. File it out of way. I'm going to talk about that on the pod. Yeah. What a fucking crumb ass. That sucks. I mean, yeah. also piggybacking off of that a little bit, there's the initial scene like with the um, fire escape where she's like, I'm telling you to leave like very clearly. Yes. And he just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also- it's, it is a little creepy. Like I went to a dance. I met a very nice boy and now I'm home now. And oh my God, he's outside my window. <laughs> yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, she tells him no, like, explicitly, and he doesn't listen to her. And then, like, it, then she's, like, she, of course, warms up and is, like, oh, my gosh. But, like, then because, like, the way the fire escape is, she can't get down and, like, like he can't get up unless he goes outside of it. But then it's, like, great. She's, like, a caged bird now. She's just, oh, cool. We're, we're, oh, yeah. uh, we're actually li- inserting this. Yeah. He cool. literally cannot grab her because she is blocked by a That's boundary. A- Pretty literal imagery, actually, now that you point that out. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a cage. <laughs> She's literally, literally. In a cage. Um, I want to talk about a little bit more about anybody's character in this. I feel like, and this was my one big note, I feel like they wanted to do more of a queer narrative by including not only like a non-binary actor in the role of anybody's, but by including this character more often, like kind of throwing them in just in a scene and like we're watching them kind of be in the background existing in a story but like throwing a queer character more it like putting them in more in a more profound way would have worked but you just like showed us more trauma you showed us more mm-hmm. violence you showed us more like shit like we're not seeing anything of them um like them being harassed by the police them literally being beat up by their friends like the extra stuff that we're seeing is literally offering us nothing more than just violence like that's they all talk we're seeing about, they talk about pantsing anybody's 
Uh, and they like kind of like throw well, that also, around as like a, a way to to not recognize their gender, right? They're like, oh, well, we checked. Actually, we straight up pulled your well, pants down and you don't got the equipment down there. So the, you're not a dude. And it was like follow up school. The follow up <laughs> line to that, too, is the dickless wonder biological disorder. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand why this is the inclusion. Like, I know that you think visibility is important, and it is, but in this context, like, no, you did nothing but just show us more trash. Like, like you did nothing for this character and nothing for their narrative and nothing for queer people. Like, you and just gets, made it worse. There's, <laughs> there's still the the ma- most capable, the most uh, knowledgeable, and the kindest, where they're the only ones that go back to help Tony escape the crime scene, right? And yeah. also, when Anita walks into the shop, they're like, no, 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 don't do this. There's that moment where they, they lock eyes and, and anybody says, like, yo, don't. And yeah. But then again, like, they're powerless to... Uh, yeah. 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 You know, one thing that I did notice, um, I, I feel like one thing that they tr- they tried, I feel like a little bit because, and this is a very low amount of effort, but like you said, they throw anybody's in all the time. But you, what you see is more, I think, ex- explicitly the sense of like longing in anybody that mm-hmm. is present clearly in the first, not first one, I keep saying first one, but in the original version. <laughs> And in, in West Side Story it, one, in West Side Story the, one, the prequel, uh, and and now West Side Story two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, we truly. see, <laughs> yeah. we see anybody's. You see, literally, you just have shots of anybody's just staring longingly at Tony and at the other Jets, and it's more. I feel like it's more clearly towards Tony specifically. So it's this kind of like you can tell that there's a certain sense of like I want to be you. That I feel like doesn't have this, like you don't have that same sense in yeah. the original. Well, I will also say to to add to that, there is one specific moment at the beginning of the dance. The way that Tony interacts with anybody's is completely different from every other jet. Like Tony embraces anybody's. He's like, hey, like mm-hmm. there's a positive. Like it's good to see you. I like 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 there's there's a warmth warmth to the way that Tony's response to anybody's even the way that anybody's is like it's Tony fuck yeah it's Tony yeah hey what's up like I miss you it's very clear that Tony sees anybody's as a person as a queer like just in general as a person in the way that literally everybody else is like no you're bad and gross and your brain's broken or whatever like their whole thing is anti anybody's and tony's the only one who's like no what's up hey you're a jet sure whatever like (laughs) yeah and i actually got like in the first one i didn't understand why anybody's was even trying to be around in the space where they are not wanted and they're just abused because it didn't seem like anybody was actually nice to them um where in this one it's like okay like tony recognizes and isn't an asshole to them you know what i mean but like still it's like uh like it just it's 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 it, hard because really the inclusion it's it's really just more scenes of like and i know that it's just trying to set the scene like yeah queer people weren't really allowed here but it's like we knew that like we don't have to we like that's not something you need to tell us like we know this by the way that the jets treat anybody's like you don't have to show the cop harassing them at the dance you don't have to show the group the jets beating them or up in the, the fucking the police cop hall putting them the cop putting them on the women's bench. 
Yeah. Right. We don't like, ha- we, I feel like at every moment this. they were trying to be like, and I, I know that this is a big fucking pat on the back where they're like, oh, look, this is a trans character. We're going to put somebody in this role that is from the community and it's going to be so great. And then look, we're actually going to put them in more. But like, you're so right, Eric. Every time that they're on screen, it's just um, harassment or blatant misgendering for the sake of harm. Right. Yeah. Like, like and I'm all about like, yeah, hire more queer actors, hire more uh, gender nonconforming actors, but also like, need abuse narratives. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Get rid of abuse narratives. And secondarily, like have more queer centric stories. So it's not like, well, this character was historically queer. Like, let's just throw them in. Like, no, just, you don't got to do that in West Side Story. Fuck West Side Story. Do a different movie and then like hire more queer people and have a more or a less abuse driven queer narrative. Like we do not need to keep doing that. And the way that I feel like in this movie, the, <laughs> patting itself on the back, that's going to be stuck in my head because truly this movie tries to do that so much. In this, it's the, Steven the moment, Spielberg. Like, I mean, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The scene where it's like, you done good, buddy boy. Um, yeah. I feel like the way that that was shot was supposed to be so like, like anybody's reaction to that was like, <gasps> so god, <laughs> like it was supposed to be so grandiose and like like so meaningful mm-hmm. and like wow they really did that wow Steven Spielberg file file that under things he did do like way to go you know what I mean it felt so gross and I'm like ew no you don't you don't get this big reaction because you showed more trauma like. Go away. Right. It just made me mad. I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the inclusion of anybody is a little bit more. And, you know, again, just kind of like uh, it, it's an aesthetic occlu- inclusion, you know, um, I think does something interesting, though, in that it really highlights the kind of like, because um, like you said, like, yeah, you're right. Like the interaction between Tony and anybody is, is way more friendly, warm, like it's much more of a you know, at least you know there's there's a relationship there as opposed to the other one where they interact by accident kind of mostly until the end, mm-hmm. uh, which is also kind of an accident, but um, it kind of highlights just kind of like this kind of homosocial like setting that we're in because for the most part in this one and in the other one, whenever that there's an interaction happening of consequence, the women are ushered away. It's like, this is time for men to yeah. be together. And there's always, again, these like, you know, that, you know, famous quote, it's like you find elaborate rituals and ways to touch other men's bodies. And that's what that feels like. It yeah. feels like where there's, there's a space and a need for these men to connect with each other, these young boys to connect with each other, but there's no socially prescribed way to do that. So they instead turn to violence and yeah. an alternative is to, you know, not to stigmatize feminine things or, you know, just caring, comfort, things like that. You know, like hugging another person that's part of your gang is we like yeah. we noticed it because it's the only time it happens. And when it doesn't happen, it's always layered with like either fake violence, like, oh, we're just tussling. We're roughhousing. You know? Like, I want to touch or, your balls, but I'm going to punch them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I yeah. mean? I'm going to do it with balls. my knuckles. And you're like, what? Ew. What? Yeah. No. What are you doing? Or, or it's layered under like jokiness. Like, I'm playing yeah. at it with you. Like, this is play as opposed yes. to just. It's not earnest. Yeah. Yeah. None earnest. of this is earnest. It's performative. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's why I like I can touch you because it's like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to wonder, like, seeing that interaction between the two of them, like, would that interaction have been possible with any other character if they just had kept anybody's at the same 
level like as the original like i don't think so like him and riff kind of have the closest relationship to that but even then again always underneath like a layer of performance yeah totally what a silly game masculinity is um i do want to talk about the women in this movie versus the women in the last film other than anita of course because anita is wonderful um but in this one i feel like in the same way that like anybody's was more around, the women were more around and I feel like they had more speaking parts. And by women, I mean anybody outside of um, Maria, Anita, and now Doc, which I want to talk about later because Doc is great. But like Graziella had speaking parts, which is cool. And you see that all of the women, all of them, are way more against violence and try in some way to protect each other and themselves from men and from the violence and control of men. Like we already had that with um, Anita and Maria, right? But in this one, I feel like they're... There's uh, first when the sex worker locks herself up away from the uh, from the jets when all of the cops <laughs> rush out. Right. She's like, fuck you guys. I'm getting in here and literally locks herself in a cell because she's like, I'm not about this. And you guys are are awful. And I'm not going to give you an opportunity to be awful for me because she knows who they are. She knows what kind of people they are. Right. And so she's just like, no, I'm removing myself from this. The way she does it, too, is so casual like they're just yeah. like in the middle of something she's like okay i'm a, i'm i'm done and then she just gets gets up goes in locks super casual it's sound like nothing like, yeah i'm not gonna even it's not gonna be an issue because i'm not it felt very no sudden movements to me like i'm going sure. to not say anything i'm just going to move away and then just hope for the yeah. best is what it felt she like. removed herself yeah. from the situation yeah. she locked herself in because she knows that they can't <laughs> be trusted and she was like great now do whatever you want to do because i'm not going to be a part of that and i'm not going to allow you to even entertain doing anything with me and then i also liked that graziella and the other woman, I don't know her name. She didn't really have any speaking parts. Um, tried to help protect Anita when the men are trying to, when um, the Jets are like trying to harass her. They're like, hey, stop. Like, hey. And then they get ushered out, right? And they're like kind of banging on the door and trying to be like, no, don't do this. Like trying to get her the fuck out of there. And then ultimately, like, isn't it Doc that comes up and is like, what the fuck are you doing? So uh, again, like the first one, I don't feel like Doc made any sense. I was like, why are you letting all these kids that are in a gang use your store as like a front for like all of their violence and all of this, like when you don't support it at all. So um, Doc, I feel made more sense here, but like also like Doc was like, you're I've seen you guys grow up and now I now I see that you've grown up into rapists get the fuck out of my store yeah. like the the power that and influence that Doc has in like in this story in general I really really liked it and I think that this is a really good character for Rita Moreno to be in you know uh, I, I just think it's cool that she was in the first one and was the best character in that and she's in this one and again she is one of the best and strongest characters in that and she actually gets to be herself rather than having to you know paint her skin yeah if they're gonna leave the sexual assault scene in I do like what they did for it I don't think it's a necessary scene but the fact I wanted that she's it like, fucking out of there yeah it's not a necessary scene I understand that it's like for that juxtaposition like you had talked about Chris for the like the tonight tonight the ultimate tragedy of like the exact opposite of what you wanted for Anita. But if they were going to leave it in, which they did, which ugh, 
at least there is that commentary on it of like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You guys are literally rapists and I hope you're crying and I hope you're sad and I hope you feel like shit because you should because you guys are worthless. You guys are not even people to me anymore. You're pieces of shit. Get fucked. Peace out. Like, I hate you. And you're like, great, perfect. That's all we needed. We just needed a, like, if you're going to leave it, you need somebody to at least call it out and be like, you fucking cowards. You guys are nothing. You, you're nothing. Like, to, to, to make that choice, you mean nothing to me, to, to the world. You deserve nothing. Like, you're like, yeah, good, 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 good. Say, I mean, I wish she had said more. <laughs> like, really? Totally. I know it was like, like, I wanted a diatribe. I wanted a monologue. I wanted a breakdown. Like, I wanted, I wanted more. She said rapists. Cool. Like, there's an addressal. We see the tear in one of the boy's eyes. Like, we see some feeling. We see some semblance of movement. Obviously not enough for me, but cool. They did it. In a way, it's also, like, her saving herself because she did play that character in the last iteration. Which, Literally, um, yeah. I think is kind of cool on a meta level. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that if they were going to leave it, this needed to be a bigger conversation it needed to be more it's an unnecessary scene they didn't need to have that and i really and you know we we talk about this all the time on the pod but you have choices when you're making a uh when you're doing a remake right and that's one of the exciting things it's like there are some fucked up things or there are some things that you have a choice right and it was a choice to leave this in here right and it was a choice to have maria be so fucking self-centered that she is still still going to ask Anita to go to docs in the first place, right? The audacity, like, and and I think that's something that we don't really get into in in either iteration, but like the self-centeredness of these two characters, right? Where like, we see that they're naive, yes, but like to literally ask somebody (laughs) to go and uh, give this message to the person that killed their fucking, like, no, I would go off. Like, and (sighs) like, it, it still feels for as intentional as they're trying to be, it still feels tone deaf. I mean, even like, um, you know, great. They have like Puerto Rican actors, you know, playing like awesome. They have a trans person. Great. They have like all of these things that they're trying to pat themselves on the back for. But I feel like even like the the Puerto Rican culture really didn't shine as well as I wanted it to. Like yeah. it still felt very whitewashed and it still felt like, like, I liked some of the context that we got for, like, you know, the characters for Chino, for, you know, the the way that some of the subtle reimaginings for all of these characters happened. But still, it felt whitewashed. It felt disingenuous. And well, I think that that's, that's one of my big issues and takeaways from this. Base text, it's still bad. Like, no matter how many times you try to, like, change whatever context, this May's story is still just, like, not good, appropriative, white nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah <laughs> it's just gonna stay that way no matter how many times it gets remade the more i think about it too and this just makes me even more sad and sa- like this sort of misguided valentina character the fact that she's like turning him in at the end i feel like that aligns more with just like the pro cop pro pro uh mm-hmm. justice system pro justice of the like american perspective in this way that like only rich people really ascribe to because again why they don't- didn't she turn in tony literally literally yeah and that's yeah. that's like it just it does not make sense but then when you think about it you're like oh this is like actually really gross and toxic and like mm-hmm. not good for for as much as they're trying to say about class and about race and about struggle and about like about everything as much as they're trying to say it just like 
ultimately says nothing if not mm-hmm. says worse things because chris like it, you were saying with, the, the more you get like a, it's like putting a magnifying glass on characters that weren't real and suddenly you see they're real and you're like oh shit i don't want to see them <laughs> no take it away <laughs> like actually ins- leave them <laughs> instead of nuance they just created noise oh yeah that's yeah. what we say mm-hmm. that's right instead of nuance it's noise Oh God, we're so smart. You're we so really smart. are. All right, speaking oh. of patting ourselves on the back. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, but we deserve it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it, and it's one of those things where it's like th- th- this one specifically, um, because it goes out of its way to do so many extra things, like it, like specifically calling on the history of Puerto Rico as a place. Like it calls on that, but it doesn't actually contest like it doesn't actually grapple with it like in the beginning you see that mural get destroyed and it's a specific mural and i looked it up and it's literally by an anti-colonial puerto rican independence like fighter who also fought for like irish independence like a specifically anti-colonial sentiment by an anti-colonial activist and i think a scholar as well and the song that they sing at the cops, which I think is the same song that they sing in the original version. However, there's a specific difference amongst the versions. And the version that they sing in this one is a very specific version that is from the Puerto Rican Revolution trying to basically free itself from colonial ownership by, by Spain and from America. And so the fact that they use that to kind of ground it specifically in the historical Puerto Rican experience is just completely undermined by the text, by the rest of the film. Like none of that struggle, none of that strife for freedom is what's centered in the movie. It's about, you know, a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet's a bunch of other stuff. And they're trying to fit in, right? Like that's a big narrative is they're trying to just fit in with America and find their place when like, why would they do that like yeah like it's 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 true that there's a historical basis for assimilation and all that stuff but the story isn't about that the story isn't about puerto ricans it's not about immigrants it's about romeo and juliet yeah and what's really gross too is that in this one too they even added in a reference to okay corral like we're gonna have a, a shootout at the OK Corral when they're talking about the Rumble, a literal explicit reference to Western expansion and manifest <sighs> destiny. The yeah. justification for a litany of genocides and wars and just the worst shit imaginable America's ever done, and that's what they use. Like it's a throwaway line. It is a cardboard cutout of the West. It is the playground of like the of the white perspective it's just these are all set dressings it might as well just be cardboard of new york in the 50s with puerto ricans it's just cardboard like yeah they put a puerto rican flag they referenced real historical puerto rican stuff but to no end because this story isn't about them it's not for puerto ricans it's not for anybody but the white audience for for who it was made to sell tickets literally subversive kind of but only so much and only and that, as long as it oh. sells. And that's also the bigger conversation about like, and I know we can't really fully get into it, but musical theater. And who who is it for, right? Like Correct. who oftentimes were these musicals for as a conversation about class and oftentimes who was affiliated with that class? White people. It's it's stories that are predicated on whiteness white and people. the white gaze and rich Westerners looking at the otherness of, I mean, the South Pacific. To <laughs> like, me, like it, that kind of, you know what I mean? Like it's just, you can't, it's not real and it's not realized. And again, it, 
comes down to the crux of this story. And I was laughing because you were like, what is this story about? And in my head, I was also trying to be like, yeah, what is this story about? Wait, <laughs> hold on. You're like, it's about, it's about, I was like, I, I truly also don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, Romeo and Juliet. I guess that's, okay, cool. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> and it, I think it literally is just about Romeo and Juliet. It's not about yeah. what Romeo and Juliet was about. Romeo and Juliet was explicitly about two houses equal in dignity. Like there is no literal difference. They're in the same fucking city. They're the same fucking family ostensibly. This is just about what is a useless conflict, what a tragedy this is. Not about anything else. It just talks about that. And this, then this is just this, about that story. Yeah. And like you said, yeah. Jess, it's not no it's not nuance, it's noise. It just it muddles the theme. This is no longer about those things, because now those things aren't relevant anymore because the context and power dynamics are so different. <laughs> uh, the more we talk about this movie, the more I hate it. I know like, me too. Yeah. I, oh. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of it was just like, again, supposed to be like, oh, here, white audiences. And then like, look at we fixed uh, we fixed the trans issue. Look at we're talking about gentrification, but then have fucking nothing like yeah, referencing yeah. it later. Right. Just like, look at how woke we are. But like not doing any work to like actually other than like presenting an idea and then just letting it like dissipate. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and they could have done something interesting with that, but then that would be a different movie. That would be a different musical. Yes. Yes. And they did not and have the courage to do that. No, it literally, like, I love that we have the same conversations about like new stories. Come on. Come on. Why? Why <laughs> Steven Spielberg? Did he decide that he was the one to tell that needed to tell this story and that this out of every, cause he could do anything that he wants and everybody be like, yes, a hundred percent. Why is this his story to tell? Why did he decide that this is what he wanted to hang his hat on and this is the project that he needed to be a part of? Well, you know I what I mean? I, I honestly think it just has everything to do with lineage and history. Like he wants to tie his name to a classic in the way that he's created sure. these classics. So to him, it's like, well, it's West Side Story. It's Natalie Wood. Like it's it's West Side Story. Like, hello, hi. Like I have to do, you know what I mean? Like, of course. Because of course, it's it's West Side Story. Well, of course it's West Side Story. I have to do West Side Story. Like, no, it's a bad story. Like, I don't, like, just because it was popular, I don't know. That's why I think, personally, he did it. I mean, granted, visually, was it gorgeous? It was beautiful. And it was so well shot. And I do, like, I will stand by that. Like, it was just such a gorgeous mm-hmm. movie. So well done. But again, completely undermined by the text. The text is nothing and garbage and trash and anything that they tried to do to like bandage it again does nothing to the base of the story. Yeah. And the music we is should... good. Like let's and not the, music's uh, good. the music is really catchy. Like I I I can't fault any of that either too. Yeah. Just wanted to shout and, out. <laughs> yeah. Sondheim killed it, obviously problematic, but like killed it. Same with the choreo. The choreo in this was like also good. Like there were so many elements of like craft and like excellence in craft in this obviously but at the end of the day it really does come down to like the crux of the story and it sucks mm-hmm. fuck west side story <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're back hello uh, we did it we made it back from the west side the upper west side oh we got um, we're back eric Um, the 1960s West Side Story. Who was this film for? It's for white people. Um, it's for white people. 
end of sent like really it's just it's by white people for white people i mean look it was for broadway it was for rich it was for the upper class it's for white people <laughs> what about you chris I'm going to have to double down. This was for <laughs> middle upper class white people. This is for people for whom the Lincoln Center was a it's wiping away a cruddy little spot in Manhattan. Like literally this, is, this isn't for anybody portrayed in the film. Literally nobody portrayed in this film besides maybe the cops. Yeah. <laughs> OMG, I think we're actually going to triple down on that because like literally there is no other answer. Like sometimes I'll try to come up with something fun and cute, but like, I mean, truly there's, there's nothing fun and cute. Yeah. It is just, it is for white people, white. It rich really is. white people. Did you like this? Uh, like it's fine. It's like hard, fine leaning. No, I don't know. Like. Really, the dancing and the music is kind of the only thing that saves it. And I know that this is a musical, but, like, West Side Story as a whole just kind of sucks. So, like, no. I guess no, I didn't. Because I don't really want to watch it again. Like, I did it. I saw it. Mm -hmm. So, no. No, I didn't. Chris, did you like it? Uh, I'm going to have to lean with uh, I'll watch the first half of either version if I'm, like, drunk or whatever. Like... (laughs) I, I can enjoy, like I said, like you said, like singing and the dancing, 100%. And the first half has the most of that, so I'll watch most of that. Yeah. And then I will never watch any of them again, probably. Like, I've watched them both twice now, and I just, I don't feel the need to ever watch it again, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what um, do you think, Jazz? I feel the same. So, um, I was never, like, a big fan of this to begin with. I was like cool the even in like high school and stuff right like I was just like okay cool the dancing is sick the songs fuck but like other than that I didn't really need anything else from this so like I'll watch this like I'll watch the the number that I want to watch on YouTube right like that's the level of commitment that I'm willing to give to West Side Story again but basically nothing else like that that's all it gave me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm also leaning on like no, I mean I also don't really like the story of Romeo and Juliet either. So like for me I'm same. like yeah. I don't like Romeo and Juliet and I don't like this like racist ass version of it. So yeah. like I'm gonna say probably no. Yeah. <sighs> um what about the twenty twenty one Steven Spielberg masterpiece? Ooh. Eric, yes. I, I hope my sarcasm came through. I'm not sure that yes. it did. Was uh. it new, interesting, or the same? Or was it progressive, regressive? How are you feeling? It was new and interesting in the way that it shot. I think it was literally exactly the same. Like, nothing about this has changed. Like, anything that they tried to add or give nuance or context to, for the most part, did nothing to change anything about this movie. The only thing that's different is placement of the songs and the visuals. So I I don't think it's progressive or regressive. I think it's like the most neutral version of this because they had to stay neutral on this very simple story. I think it's the same. I think it's like nearly the exact same. Nothing has changed except more uh, noise. What about you, Chris? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. It's um, aesthetic differences. um, Some of them positive. uh, 
and it is a little bit more progressive in that they actually went out of their way to actually include people of color when including this. Oh, that's this. true. Yeah. Um, so on the production side, more progressive. Um, no brown face. Definitely step f- steps, you know, tiny infant- infinitesimal. Huge, like. huge bonus points for no brown face this time. <laughs> huge steps forward for the Caucasian community to not have any brown face in this movie. <laughs> Strides, it, leaps, bounds. Huge oh. step forward for the Caucasians. So there's that. Um, <laughs> uh, for the rest of it, um, no, not much. Once again, the base story can't be amended beyond, you know, until it's unrecognizable. So yeah. about the same. Yeah, I think it was new only in the ways that it was shot. And like you were saying, Eric, like some of the placement of the songs and it was like, okay, that's cool. And I think that was interesting. And I thought that those were cool choices. But by and large, it is still the same. The same story beats happened. The things that I didn't want to happen, like the sexual assault scene happened. And I was like, why the fuck does this need to be here? Right? Like you had an opportunity. So, and you're right, Chris, it was progressive in those moments of like, okay, great. We have a Puerto Rican cast. Look at us. Pat on the back. Okay, look, we have a gender non-conforming person playing anybody's pat on the back. Great. Okay, look. Oh my gosh, you guys, gentrification is bad. Let's just throw that in there. Great. Awesome. But But in all of that progressiveness, a lot of it to me felt really performative in this way where it's just like, see, we did better. We did better. We had more women on screen. Oh, my God. But like it, it it just felt more regressive because of those reasons to me. Yeah. Eric, who do you think it was for? Well, white people again. And this time Steven Spielberg's career. Like, it literally is just, it, it is a decorative plaque of achievement for Steven Spielberg's, um, <laughs> the auteur's uh, filmography. That's all it is. It's just to say, like, hey, I got to do it. And again, once again, it's for white people. That's truly the audience. That's it. That's right. Chris, okay. who do you think this is for? Um, so I think this is for, again, white people. I think it's for a different kind of white person. I think it's somebody who's a little bit more... Um, liberally minded, uh, <laughs> identifies as liberal, and sees it as a really big step in cinema. They see it as a really huge deal, and it's- they're really honestly they they're happy to pay the ticket price because you know what they they want to support the arts made by and the theater of color. is back now, so yeah. Yeah. you know. It's They're so pink- glad that this didn't come to streaming because they have to see it on the big screen. Oh it's my for, god! It's for pink tank top TikTok gay. <laughs> it's it's well meaning but a little misguided. <laughs> yeah, that reference is also by the time this episode comes out is going to be so old. That's going to be ancient. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Okay, <laughs> Jess, who do you think this was for? Y'all fucking nailed it. I have nothing to add. Like, literally, you are both so smart and so oh eloquent. God. And, oh, my God. Uh, uh, my back hurts so, from all the padding. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, my brain. Like, I have a <sighs> headache. It's like my brain is swelling. Fuck. My brain is so big. Oh, my God. Okay. Eric, did you like this? No, it's not. Well, no. I feel the same way about it, actually, as the first one. Like, will I watch part of it? maybe because i do think it's gorgeous but like no i mean what's that story sucks like it's not good so no Mm. what about you chris uh i'm gonna have to go with the same thing i said before which is i'll watch the dance numbers i'll watch america on youtube i'll watch mambo on youtube 
um, pretty much anything with um, Ms. DeBose, yeah, I probably won't watch it again. Queer biracial icon, might I add, Miss Ariana DeBose. Uh, She's fucking cool. She's the coolest. She is cool. Jess. But I think... I would rather watch the first one over this one okay. because I really, really, really did not like Maria or Tony. They felt so unbelievable. In the first one, I mean, like it was like a little, at least there's like some sort of like whimsical romantic chemistry. In this one, there's no fucking chemistry. And then yeah. again, knowing what the actor was doing at the time and all of that, I'm just like, and it to me it was kind of like watching just watching like a cardboard cutout of a white dude on the screen literally anytime i feel like the only time he acted was when he found out maria was dead and that's when he was like oh my god maria blah <laughs> like but every other time he was just so boring and he is not charismatic and they had no chemistry and for a film that is literally about this person who is like the main like i mean it was just painful for me so, um, in, in a way that the other one, if it's on in the background, whatever, like, fine. Yeah. But this one, I feel like it is very pretty, like you said, Eric, but, like, I just can't. It's, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, again, it's like, it's we, sh- we, like, truly should not care about West Side Story anymore. Like, who cares? Mm-mm. It's done. Like, I'm ready to forget. I'm ready to forget, truly. Oh, Jamie, too. I don't, I don't want to live in America. I don't. <laughs> Well, you know what? I feel like we've come to the close of this gorgeous, gorgeous story. Chris, thank you for sitting here with us and opening that beautiful, beautiful brain of yours to expel all of those beautiful thoughts on this story, on this West Side story even. I'm always ready to spill the gray matter on the table for you. Thank you. It's it's amazing, and we appreciate it. Um, Is there anything you want to plug? Um, I don't know. If you like weird horror art and D stuff i don't know follow my instagram uh it's c oliver g like the letters c the name oliver the letter g all one word instagram do it gorgeous putting that go I'm... follow mm-hmm. uh his art is fantastic truly and completely i guess that's it i think that's it yeah thank you okay. again this was a this was a really a pleasure to to talk with you about this Thank you for having me. I was so excited to be here. This is such a joy. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, We appreciate you so much. Do not forget to follow. Oh, I'm sorry. That's you. No, you do it. You do it. You do it. You do it. No! Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all social media. Truly, um, I'm going to start getting weird on Twitter soon on our page. So, like, look out for that. I mean, it probably would have already happened. But... Um, yeah, give us five stars because we fucking deserve it. Mwah. Yeah. <laughs> Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre, editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. And thank you, Chris. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and remember, stay cute. <laughs> <And> stay critical. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the Network.com for more. 
Hey everybody, I'm Eric. I'm Shelby. I'm Jake. And we are the band Lousy Advice from the Lousy Advice Podcast. Come listen as we draft artists and genre-centric best of lists. With the help of our closest friends. These lists are canon. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. From Misfits to Share. Green Day to Gaga. Or Pup to Paramore. Listen to the Lousy Advice Podcast now or else. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we are the band Lousy Advice, and this is our podcast, the Lousy Advice Podcast. The Lousy Advice Podcast? The Lousy Advice Podcast. Podcast.